0: Hello everyone. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Wednesday, middle of the week, July the 19th, 2023. And we are right smack dab in the middle of summer and right smack dab in the middle of the book of first Corinthians today. So we are continuing our journey through the new Testament this year. And so we find ourselves in first Corinthians chapter 10. Hope you guys are having a good week, and um, looking forward to uh, camping this weekend. Actually, Christy and I are going to take a little trip with the travel trailer, Um, so uh, that should be fun. I just hope you know the most important thing we're asking at this point is do the air conditioners work. And it looks good. It looks good. We got the trailer in the in the driveway as I speak. It's, uh seems to be, everything seems to be good because I don't, we, we are not about getting out there with no good air condition. I mean, I know, I know it's called camping, but let's be real. I ain't trying to be a pioneer man. <laughs> um, But this will be our last, uh, this will be our last camping trip for uh, until the fall. So we, till we drop JT off, It'll be after Labor Day before we take it. And we have a big trip, we have a big trip planned in. After Labor Day, which will take us up to Savannah, uh, to Tyvee Island, I think is what it's called, out that way. Um, so, looking forward to that. That'll be after Labor Day. So, this will be a short one, just a couple of days, and then the bigger one um, later on. But now, on to the matter at hand, which is to hear what the Lord has to say, us, say to us from His Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank you guys so much for being on today. Taking time out of your day to read the Word together and open up our hearts to see what God might be wanting to speak to us today. That's what we do: we read, we pray, we change the world, and we just see what God has to say to us through His Word. So let's check it out. First Corinthians chapter ten. Remember that Paul is uh, has ju- at the end of chapter nine, he's encouraging um, self discipline and perseverance. You know, not not all runner, not every runner who runs finishes the race, and you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I submit my body. I, you know, I run as to as to win the prize. I don't box like an air bo- You know, like a like a like like a shadow boxer. So it's kind of in that same kind of theme uh, as we jump into chapter ten. Let's do it. For I do not want you to be ignorant. Of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea, they were okay. So now we're we're looking at a, a story from Israel's history, right? This is going back to uh, the Exodus and the time in the wilderness. They passed passed through the sea, the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all. Ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, so they all went through the you know, no matter where their spiritual condition was, if you know they were, um, they were went through the Red Sea, they were uh, cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, um, the Lord's presence. They drank the same spiritual drink. Uh, They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Paul here is saying that Christ, that, that rock that supplied for them, water for them, uh it was the manifestation of just the presence of Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Hmm. So this is a kind of a warning, right? Like, so they these the Israelites, all every Israelite enjoyed the benefits of God's presence the benefits of God's saving activity. God was going to deliver his people. And so everyone, all of Israel was a part of that blessing. But that doesn't mean that he was pleased with each and every individual Israelite. Hmm. Right? And so there were, um, you know, not everyone who walked through the Red Sea This is interesting. Not everyone who walked through the Red Sea was quote-unquote saved. Now, they were saved from the destruction of the Red Sea, but did they, did they have a saving relationship with God? And Paul is suggesting saying pretty unequivocally, no, they did not. <laughs> no. they Yeah, they drank from the spiritual rock. They uh, they had the cloud by day, fire by day. Same thing. Same blessings. It's the, all... The, Moses come down from the mountain after having been with God, delivered Ten Commandments. Yeah, they experienced and saw and witnessed all of that. But did was God pleased with them? Nope. He was not pleased with all of them. That's interesting, right? I mean, we can be uh we can have the we can have access to worship and uh access to preaching. Uh we can ha- have spiritual nourishment and be uplifted and be encouraged. We can see God do amazing things for our family or our neighbors, but that is not the same thing as me having a relationship with Jesus. Just me being in the right place at the right time, <laughs> right? That's just me being in. A, me just that's just me hitting the spiritual lottery. That's what that is. That doesn't mean I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I mean that's uh, a, a an important. It's just like the you know. The we we live in a quote unquote well i would argue that that's questionable that we live in a quote unquote christian christian nation now do was our nation has our was our has our was our nation founded on judeo christian principles uh, undoubtedly without question but if you look at the um uh, the defining characteristics of the united states would you say that is the defining characteristics of a christian and eh, probably not um, so but anyway, that aside, we we say, Oh, well, I live in a Christian nation. And so therefore, you know, I'm a Christian. No, no, don't work that way. You got the blessings of freedom, you got the blessings of abundance, you got the blessings of opportunity, but just because you sit under that same cloud, come on, that does not mean you have a relationship with God. Verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples of to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters. Oh, that's pretty clear. Don't be idolaters. As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Wow. They, man, look at the, listen to that contrast. They sat down to feast on the blessings of God. They sat down to eat in the, on the things that he had provided drink from the water that he had given and got up from that blessing and that provision by God's gracious hand, they got up to indulge in revelry. Man, it's it's kind of humbling, right? We want to make sure that we're grateful for what God has given us, but not only be grateful when we're sitting down receiving the things that God has given us, but the true gratitude that is in our heart will be shown by the way we act when we get up from the blessings <laughs> how are we acting how are we behaving how are we representing Christ not when we're consuming and receiving the good blessings of Jesus but when we get up and actually ha- need, uh, represent him to the world it's a great reminder man great reminder we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day 23 Thousand of them died. Ooh. We should not test Christ as some of them did, and they were killed by snakes. Ooh, gross snakes. Ooh. <laughs> Paul is saying their uh, the their sinfulness led to their destruction. And do not do not grumble. As some of them did, and were killed by the by the destroying angel, so Paul's recounting these uh, events from the wilderness when different things uh different times that large numbers of Israelite, uh, the children of Israel were killed, and he's saying it's related to a in large part it's related to their sinfulness. Don't grumble, stop being sexually immoral. Don't test Christ. Um, there's some interesting, uh, interesting three sort of like uh, sins there, right? The sin of sexual immorality, the sin of testing Christ, and the sin of grumbling. Um, and then I, I think it's in the sense of testing Christ, in the sense of testing his patience. Um. Right, that's that's the gist I get. Maybe you maybe you get a little something different, but I get like it's a test of Christ's patience. Um. Often when it says don't put the Lord your God to the test, it's like, it's stubbornness. It's a, it's a a heart that is hardened to the things of God. That is just a, a rebelliousness. A um. Um. Uh, yeah just a heart of rebellion a heart of uh unrepentance, a heart of arrogance that just continues to sin and disobey uh, irregardless of the just um, uh, scoffing or, or snubbing one's nose at any potential consequence for that that's 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 putting christ to the test and um and grumbling grumbling. Just you know, just griping, <laughs> just just griping, griping about God, griping about Moses, griping about this or that, griping about you know. And today we'll be griping about God, griping about pastors, griping about the church, griping about Christians, griping about just grumbling, I'm not happy about anything. These things happen to them as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Hmm. You see, look at Israel. God did great and mighty things for them, but many of them fell. So pay attention to your own spiritual life, right? Great great reminder for us. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't stumble and fall. Verse 10, this is a powerful passage. This is a great passage. 1 Corinthians 10, 10, great, 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 great passage as it relates to temptation. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind, okay? so you, whatever unique temptations you face, sexual immorality or testing Christ or grumbling or greed or uh, anger or um, pity parties, oh poor me, nobody likes me, you know, whatever it is whatever you, whatever that you know comfort sin. <laughs> We all have our comfort sins, don't we? Whatever that comfort sin is for you. Um, and some maybe, you know, just you know, things you really, really struggle with. But um Paul reminds us here, um, that no temptation has overtaken you, which is except that which is common to man. In other words, your other people are facing have faced and are facing the same thing you are. Yours is not uh unique. It's not unique to you. Um, but here's here's a beautiful promise. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So there's no temptation that you can't overcome. Now, sidebar, this passage is often used woefully out of context to talk about grief and sorrow and suffering. This passage that's speaking about temptation specifically is often used by people who say, see, God will never give you more than you can handle. This isn't is not talking about just cares and worries of this life. That's not what this is talking about. I hear that I hear this is used in very unhelpful times when people have gone through a lot in their life. Maybe they've experienced a loss of a job or a loss of, loss of a loved one or just a series of uh, hurtful, harmful things have happened in their life, losses, and someone will say, man, aren't you just glad? You must be a strong person because God says he'll never give you more than you can bear, so you just must be a strong person and can bear a lot. Man, that is not what that passage means. That's a horrible thing to say to people. No one wants to be gifted with the ability to endure loads and loads of suffering. <laughs> like, Come on. <laughs> no. This passage is not about suffering. It's about temptation. It's about temptation. It's about being tempted to sin. And it's saying when you face temptation, um, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can take, what you can bear. You can overcome it. Because how? He's going to give you a way of escape. Because when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Um, so So that when we are tempted, and we do fail, we can't blame it on God. Because his word tells us he's always going to give us a way out. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. Idolatry is just spiritual adultery, right? That's what idolatry is. When you think of a husband-wife relationship, adultery is uh giving one's affection and love to someone that is r- not rightfully uh owed that, not rightfully to receive that. Idolatry is when we, are spiritual adultery, when we give our worship to something that is, that is, that it should not be rightfully given to. It's wrongfully given to someone else. It should be given to God. So that's idolatry. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourself what I say. Uh, it's not the cup of thanksgiving for which, is it, I'm sorry, is it not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks? A participation in the blood of Christ. he's talking about the Eucharist, right the uh, the Eucharist. Thank- Eucharist means th- a Thanksgiving and so the communion uh, he's saying the cup of communion it, that in which we give is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all share the one loaf. We're we're family. We're one part of the so part of one, one body. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? So he's talking about the pagans now eating food sacrificed to idols again that we talked about yesterday. No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons not to god and i do not want you to be participants with demons all right so here paul's saying i got an opinion about this (laughs) um it's not so much about the eating and drinking but i don't want you to have be i don't want you to be idolaters and he's using the meal as an example you can't worship at the pagan temples and worship jesus no no he's not, so i should say he's not it's, not it's not right now it's not really about the food it's about the worship don't you know don't he's talked earlier about the food that actually ends up in the marketplace from temples he's already had that conversation right here he's talking want you can't go to its pagan temple and offer sacrifices uh to these pagan deities and then come sit at the lord's supper no you, you one is being offered to demons and then you're going to go kind of try to fellowship with God. Says, no, I don't, no, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? Don't be like Israel. Don't think you're just going to sit down at the table and eat and drink and then get up and indulge in revelry in pagan temples and the life of every other Corinthian. No. Verse 23. I have the right to do anything. You say this is them. He's gonna hear. He's kind of quoting what they say, and then he's gonna respond. "Quote: I have the right to do anything. Anything is what you say, but not everything is beneficial." So they're saying we can do anything we want. And he's saying that's what you say, but not everything that you're allowed to do you should do. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Verse twenty-four. This kind of thing you have to tell your kids, right? when they turn 18, you know, I can do anything I want. Yeah, you can, but not everything you, you can do now that you're 18 is beneficial. You have the right to do a lot of things now, but not everything is construction, constructive or helpful or wise, right? That's the, uh, that's the best, best things we can teach our kids is for them to learn to ask themselves the, the question, is this a wise decision? Not, can I do it? Do I have the right to do it? Am I free to do it? You're free to do a lot of things but learning to ask the question, is this a wise choice? It's a great, you know, when, we're, when we're kid, our kids are smaller, it's a good thing to do, you know, when you're disciplining your child and when they failed or messed up and, you know, just having the, having the wisdom conversation. Sometimes it's right and wrong conversations, but sometimes it's, the, it's wise conversation, right? Um, so, um, so, buddy, was that a, do you think that was a wise decision? What about that was unwise? Why do you think that probably wasn't a good idea? Yeah, having those conversations. Um, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So Paul's going back to you can you have the freedom to eat that the the uh, stuff in the market. You know, you have that freedom. Nobody, you know, don't eat it with a clear conscience. But don't be worshiping at at the pagan temples. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you. So if you go to a friend's house, you know they're they're um maybe out in the same spiritual place with with you. Maybe they 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 throw on the table a a big old you know piece of meat that was bought from the the market that was once used in a pagan temple. Eat it. You're not hurting anything by doing that. Eat without raising questions of conscience. Why? Because you're you're being you're being a good friend. You don't want to dishonor the host. But if once someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For both the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. So now he's saying, but if this if this food is like, hey, they, it's they still are drawing the relationship between this pig, this meat and its uh connection to spiritual things, then don't participate. If they're just presenting it as food, unrelated, then that's fine. But if they see that it is a act of worship or that it's connected to some pagan uh, worship, then as a matter of conscience and as a witness to your friend, don't participate. I am referring to the other people's conscience, not yours. It's not about are you free to eat it. Of course you are, but you don't want you want to be a good witness to them. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink, I love this. This is it. This is a summation. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, with the good of many, so that they may be saved. Mm. Paul keeps going back to that, right? That's the motivation of his heart, and it should be the motivation, motivation of our hearts, is that people might be saved, and we don't want to do anything that would cause them to stumble or set them back. So when we're... Um, and there's so many ways to apply this in our lives. You know, if certain activities or behaviors will cause people to stumble, then we don't do them. Not that we think there's anything wrong with them in our own hearts, but if there's something wrong with it if it causes someone else to stumble in that instance. Yeah. So it's about conducting our lives in a way that will glorify God and lead people to Jesus. Hmm, good stuff. Well, maybe you can think of some ways that that can apply in your life. and um, So think about it. Think about how... Uh, this this practical application of even though something may be right, it may not be wise in helping someone see who Jesus is. So you might be thinking about uh, some of those um, in your own life. All right, you guys, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time with my friends. Thank you for your Holy Word, and thank you for this incredible teaching of how to live our lives in a way uh, that will not be uh, presumptuous. Honestly, that will not be arrogant, but will not only enjoy the blessings that you provide, but also that we will represent you well when we get up from eating and drinking uh, from the abundance that you provide. Lord, thank you that uh, you have promised that there's no temptation that has overcome us that is not common to man. And with the temptation, will provide a way of escape. And so, Lord, for those of us today as we go out, maybe some of us will face temptation. Help us to see the doors of escape. Uh, to make the decisions ahead of time that will help us not lose our cool, not not uh, do something we'd be ashamed of um, or say something we would be ashamed of or that would misrepresent you. Lord, thank you so much for my friends. I pray your blessing upon each and every one of them today. May you encourage and strengthen them and bless them. Lord, whatever we do today, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we pray that we might do it to the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Thanks so much for being on today. Hope you take time to uh, enjoy your day and to think about these important spiritual insights from the Word of God about temptation, about spiritual discipline, uh, about uh, just not taking things for granted and, um, and doing whatever we do for the glory of God. All right, you guys, have a great day. Thank you for liking, subscribing, sharing this. I always appreciate that. You guys are the best. We'll see you next time tomorrow. First Corinthians chapter 11. You guys have a fantastic day. Bye. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show.